This is a sermon brought to you by Good News Bible Church, where we believe we should love God, love others, and make disciples. We are located in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood and invite you to join our family live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we praise and worship with songs and learn about God through the study of the Bible. You can visit our website at goodnewschi.org. That's goodnewschi.org. Let's turn now to hear what the Word of God has for us this week. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as Carlos said, we did meet at Burger King. And as he shared, Burger King tends to be a sacred place for the Borges family. <laughs> I think uh, one of the few friends I've gone to um, Burger King with is often him. <laughs> Which is a decent place. I'm more chicken filet, but, you know, I, I'll take it, right? Take it. Burger King's pretty decent. It's uh, convenient. It's close by. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I know some of you don't know me, and uh, some of you do, and some of you know me a little too long. Um, I have attended here at Good News uh, periodically, way, way back in the day when I was a Moody student. Um, I had a couple friends that went here, that have grown up here, people like um, uh, Robert Rivera, I believe, grown up here, uh, Moses Pacheco, the Pacheco family. Uh, and who else am I missing? I don't want to miss out on anybody else. Anyways, there's, oh, I know I knew Benny, um, a lot of other people that have attended here. And it's been interesting because throughout my time at going to Moody and checking out churches, I never would have thought that God would bring my family here. And upon our journey, um, me individually and my family, and upon, upon my journey, you know, I've been through a couple of different churches and we're very thankful to have landed here even though we did not anticipate it. Um, something I've learned about good news is that good news is very warm, very uh, welcoming, and very friendly people. And, um, you know, I was talking with Carlos and the elders and just talking about, yeah, we got to do something celebratory, something uh, a little bit about me. If you don't notice about me is I don't like being the center of attention, okay? And right now you can't uh, fight, <laughs> fight this, right, because I'm up here sharing the word. And, uh, but, uh, you know, just something a little celebratory during this transition. It's like, yeah, I'm going to keep telling Carlos, yo, I'm straight, I'm straight. He's like, nah, bro, we got to do something. Some to at least get people to, you know, because you know, that's some, the culture. Good news, you guys are very celebratory people, and I think that's a great thing as a church. Um, a couple other fun facts is, um, you know, we've, we've uh, been checking good news out since the past summer. Started going to uh, church on the lawn, and um, I met my wife uh, salsa dancing and dancing at the park. Not at the club, don't worry. At the park. You know, Chicago during the summers does, you know, dancing at the park, and it was at Grant Park through some mutual friends um, that were all believers, and we met there. And another fun fact is I learned salsa dance, how to salsa dance across the street. Uh, Jason Pacheco actually taught me. So it's not that be interesting. Don't ask me to, like, you know, battle you in salsa dancing, because most likely you'll win, but by God's grace, I know a little step or two, thanks to Moses, Moses but I'm um, Jason Pacheco and... Good News Bible Church. All right. So, um, as we get into today's message, if this is your first time here, um, we've been going through a four-part series in the book of Malachi, chapter by chapter. And today, we're closing that series in chapter four. And it's only six verses, but I have to be honest with you. These, because it's, even though it's six verses, there's a lot here, and there's a lot that is very heavy. Okay, and I'm just going to preface that, and, and here's the thing. I don't have much to offer, and I'm just going to say what God's words 
says. Because that's what we're here for, right? We're here to hear God's word. You're not here to listen to me speak and talk about all my good feelings and how you could do life better because I can't do that. I have nothing to offer in that regard. I really don't, okay? Uh, you're going to hear a little bit about my testimony. I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck without Christ, okay? And so, you know, I, again, I have nothing to offer. So I'm just going to offer his word. And in this text, throughout the past chapters, when uh, uh, Pastor, Pastor Angel, Pastor Angel, and Joshua preached, there's a lot of heavy stuff. And, and, and you know, in the conclusion, Malachi kind of hits it hard. Hits it pretty hard. And I want you to keep this in mind, okay? If, if, if you know, just in our normal laws, um, if, if I were to tell you, hey, it's okay to steal, Still, you, you, you'll be fine. There'll be no consequences. Just keep stealing and just do what feels right. Or, hey, it's okay to cheat on your taxes. You know, get all you can. You'll be good. You'll be straight. Or it's okay to cheat on your spouse. Or it's okay to betray your friends. Even in, like, that emotional, moral standard, you'll be fine. There'll be no consequence, no ramifications. And then you go and do that. And you experience the consequences. You land in jail. You land in broken relationships. You get pain and emotional trauma. In this same sense, it is hearing God's word. When you violate, violate, when we violate God's word and we break the standards that he commands us, there's going to be consequences. And although we may not experience them in this life, we sure will experience in the next. This message is for the people of God, for the saints of God. We all have our days, our milestones, our moments, our chapters of accomplishments. These can be behind us or before us. We anticipate specific days that are coming. A day that will come when our child will take their first step or speak their first words. A day that will come that will see the results of our hard work and pursuit of education in starting a business, earning a degree, or achieving some kind of financial goal. There's a day that we look forward to, a day we anticipate, either futuristically or a day that we already accomplished in the past. Regardless, our days are numbered and they are defining moments that shape us or break us. Perhaps there was a tragic time you were hurt by a loved one or a day that you have experienced some kind of injustice. These two are significant days and perhaps a day when you met that special someone or a day that you hope to meet that special someone. We all know that the Bible speaks of a day that is coming. We anticipate this as his people, that Christ will one day return a second time, that he will one day return and make things right. This will be a day of reckoning, a day of peace for his people, a day of fulfillment and a day that is coming, a day when God will put everything in its place. A day that when God will put everything in its place. Because when sin entered the world, 
into the garden, everything got out of order. It's out of place because we're depraved. Because of sin, there's wars. There's illness. There's depravity. People hurt people. And it's entered in the world. And it's out of place. That's not God's original design. But there's going to be a day that's coming where he's going to put it in place. Before I get to today's text, I want to share with you all a day that was long awaited in the Quintanilla household. And this might not seem like a big day for most, but for me it was a humongous day. And that day was potty training. Um, as Carlos shared earlier, I have been blessed with four boys, and I'm very thankful that God chose for it to be this way. But I will say this about boys, because I don't know if this is to be true about girls. Perhaps it's the same. You can enlighten me later. But boys defecate a lot. <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Okay? <laughs> and as a father of four sons that are very close in age, it is very unavoidable to neglect the duties of changing diapers. Katie and I learned that there was a magic age when our boys learned to become potty trained. However, one of our boys did not reach this magic age, quote unquote, right? You know, because he's, he's his own person. But we were hoping he would reach that magic age. He was a little later. We also learned that he loved Playing in the dirt, he loved to do a lot with his hands. He loved to shoot a basketball, throw a baseball, take a, uh, anything that was similar to a bat and swing it. He loved to play in the snow, loves playing in the leaves. Every kind of recreation, he did not mind having a full diaper while doing it. <laughs> he does not mind getting his hands dirty. And this was becoming a real problem for me as a father. Most of the time, it was Katie that had to deal with it. But for me, I just, it was a stress upon stress. But I did deal with it, okay? I didn't flake. Just, you know, for you moms out there and want to exhort me later, I, I did deal with it. Um, I do not like allowing my wife to bear all these responsibilities when it comes to diaper changing. I will say I'm probably at least doing 20% of the time changing diapers, and Katie is doing the other 80. And she does it lovingly. <laughs> lovingly. There was a time, though, that we thought we were making strides with this specific son. And he was sitting on the toilet, and I was cheering him on and praising him. And um, for some odd reason, while he was sitting on the toilet, urine went flying like a rainbow. And it got on the floor, it got on the door, and it got on me. And under my breath, I grunt. And she's talking on the phone, my wife, Katie. And as I'm grunting, she says, make it a positive experience. Make sure you make it a positive experience. And I turn to her and I say, how can I make this a positive experience? I'm trying not to scream my head off and lose my mind. There was another time with this specific son that he had so much of his own droppings 
And you know, sometimes with kids, right, it piles up and you just don't know, and then it just gets all up in their back. And he's standing by the, you know, by the sink, just walking around, and then he just doesn't mind. And if that doesn't get worse, he takes his hands, and he goes like this, and dips them in. And he takes them out, and all of a sudden, the skin tone on his hands is a completely different color. And I'm screaming, and I'm upset, and I'm frustrated. I go and get the diaper, I throw it in the trash. Katie, once again, comes in lovingly, cleans him, gives him new clothes. It's pretty much in a lot of places where it shouldn't be. And she cleans him and makes him new and goes at it again. In the same way, dear saints, the power of the gospel and the message is exactly this. God sent his son Jesus into the world to redeem us of our sin, to pay for our debt on the cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead so that those who are sinful and wicked can turn to him and be made clean and pure and white as snow and made new. This is the gospel message of turning sinners to saints, not saints turning to sinners. The benefit we have as God's people is that when we sin, like my son, he cleans us up and renews us. And the hope is that as God's people, that we will grow grow in our relationship with him and love him. And in Christ Jesus, draw closer to holiness and away from our sins, our past filth, in love. However, unfortunately, some of us choose the former. Some of us choose to hold on to those sins a little too long, a little later, kind of like my boy, until you realize it was gross and stopped. Some of us choose to just grow little by little and let these sins and vices linger on. This was the, pay, the case for the people of Israel. Malachi, the prophet, was tasked with the burden of bringing to light the people of Israel, the Jews, the compromised sins. And it was already, as it has already been shared by Pastor Angel and uh, uh, Joshua, that um, you know, there was a lot of political drama, a lot of false teachings in the temple, a lot of economic problems. They needed to hear God's word, and their spirituality was at an all-time low. Despite the rebuild of the temple and the restoration of Judah, they were upset at God not giving them what they wanted. They were tired, and God did not, they were tired of God and did not comprehend why the wicked enemy nations would do, pagan nations would do so well. In many ways, this is the case today. A lot of political drama, a lot of economical problems, and sometimes we're a little dry in our spirituality. And sometimes it's because we're not getting what we want. We must remember, church, regardless of where we're at, a day is coming, a day to remember that Christ 
He's going to put everything in its place. Before I get into the text, I'm going to pray. Please join me. Father, as I said and shared, I truly have nothing to offer. I stand here, Lord, only with your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you lead and teach our time, illuminate our minds, and I pray for all of us here that are struggling and wrestling with certain things because we know that we all have our stuff. Lord, help us to be made whole through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a little outline that I'm going to um, and made for you all to hopefully help follow along. And a couple of little points and sub-points. My first point is this. God will put everything in its place by bringing justice and restoration. God will put everything in its place by bringing justice and restoration. As it was shared, I should have said this earlier with today's text, is Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Malachi 4. And if you turn there, please turn there with me. It is in the middle, in the middle of the Bible. An easy way to find it is turn to the Gospel of Matthew and turn a page over in the beginning, and you'll be right there. It's Malachi chapter 4. And I'm going to read a little bit of the context um, that was preached last week. Because the first word in this verse, in verse 1, starts with two words, actually, for behold. And we know the word for is a conjunction, so it's a connecting thought that was stated previously. So I'm going to just read briefly a couple of verses in Malachi 3, um, 16 through 18. You can feel free to follow along. It's just a little bit before chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 316, 18, to connect these thoughts. Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. This is uh, 16 and, uh, verse 16. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day I made up my treasured possessions. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God, okay? And I want to just talk a little bit about that. Sometimes we get confused of those who are for Christ and those who are not. And sometimes we get confused when we see believers do bad things. And in these preceding verses, he's saying there's not going to be no confusion on this day. There's not gonna, there's gonna be a, you're gonna see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. It's gonna be very plain and very apparent and clear as the clothes that you wear. You're gonna be able to tell. You're gonna be able to see. Okay? And as we continue to go further in these passages, I want us to keep in mind that these verses is for us, it's for our self examination. So as we go through this, Please, I encourage you, don't be so quick to point fingers, you know, at your, you know, neighbor Kike who's playing reggaeton music all night, or John John didn't mow the lawn in the neighborhood again. You know, this isn't for them. This is for me. This is for you. This is for us. 
he will bring justice by punishing the wicked and rewarding the righteous. Point A, he will bring justice by punishing the wicked and rewarding the righteous. Verse 1, chapter 4. Let's read. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogance and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sons of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So in the beginning verse, it talks about the day is coming, burning like an oven. And if you're thinking of the oven in your kitchen and it slowly, you know, is warming up, you know, that's the, the idea. If that's what you're thinking, that's, you're not too far off. That's the idea of this illustration. It is coming. It is burning. It is brewing. And God is withholding that day because he's waiting in his timing and in his perfect will to see those that will come to him. But on that day that it's coming, it will be here. And usually in the scriptures, when it talks in this way, it is often referring to the day of judgment. There are many scriptures. I'm going to read one of them for you right here. It's, um, it's in Isaiah. Isaiah 10, 17 to 18. It goes like this. The light of Israel will become a fire and his holy one a flame. The glory of his forest and his fruitful land will destroy both soul and body. And it will be sick, a sick like a sick man that wastes away. That will waste away. So the whole idea of the burning like an oven, the day is coming. It's coming, and one day that oven's going to be set to its temperature. It's going to be here. In verse 2, it talks about and refers to uh, those that belong to God as the sons of righteousness. Sons, and it says sons in regards to like S-U-N-S, not S-O-N. And uh, I kind of, I don't want to say agonized, but pondered this. Very much like why would be those use of words, that use of word, that metaphor of sons. Why not just say S-O-N or children? Why would you say S-U-N? And the idea is that on that day when he comes, for those that belong to God, for those that are his, those that are, you know, with the Father of light, that his light will come in its fullness. And for those that don't belong will burn up. Because, again, the order of things is out of whack, and God is going to put it back in its place. And that's how he's going to do it. He's going to do away with everything that is wicked, everything that is sinful. And like the sun in the sky that we see, okay, like the sun is light to the material world, um, the sun, Jesus Christ, is light to the moral world, Okay? And in the illustration, too, it's just interesting that um, he speaks in, um, in these verses. In, in verse 2, talks about also the righteous, not only being the sons of righteousness, but like 
cabs running out of their stall. You know, I don't know if you ever, you know, you know, when I was with my wife, and if I want to compliment her, compliment anyone for that matter, I wouldn't be like, yo, you, you're a cool cab. What's up, Cal? What's up, Cal? You know, <laughs> it's an interesting uh, use of words, but the idea, again, is like if you've ever been to a rodeo or to a farm, and, you know, when you release animals out into a, a larger land, whether it's a larger um, fence or, or just straight up out into the fields, they go running. They go running freely and proudly and just embracing the freedom that they can have in being who they are. And on that day when it is coming, we will be able to do the same for those that, of us that know Jesus. And um, Jesus said himself, I have, I have it on the screen, um, a cross-reference here for you. It's in Luke 1, 78, 79. It says, because of his tender mercies of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace, into the way of peace. And then he, conclu- he ends these, these three verses, and, and in three he talks about the wicked being as souls under the feet of the righteous. And that's a very um, direct and harsh truth, but it's the truth. But that's what will happen for those of us, the, for those of us that don't know Jesus. And, and even so, not only will they burn up, but they will be like ash under the souls of the righteous because God is a vindicator. He's a vindicator. And it's not about us getting our own revenge of someone that has wronged us, but it's about God being offended by the sin and wickedness of this world. And it will be like ash. But again, he he continues to pursue the people and say, turn, turn. And as it was preached last week, he said, try me, test me. Test me, and I will give you an abundance. Come back. How how many of us need to come back? How many of us need to turn? How many of us need to give those things that we're holding on to for so long? Next, he will bring, next point, point B, he will bring restoration by fulfilling his promise declared in his word. He will bring restoration by fulfilling his promise declared in his word. Next three verses, starting with verse four. Read with me. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord's coming, of the Lord comes. Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of their father to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, he starts off talking about Moses and talking about Mount Horeb. And if you haven't heard of the term of Mount Horeb, a lot of scholars believe that's also in reference to Mount Sinai, 
when Moses came down with the, the tablets, the two tablets, right before tablets were a thing, Moses was the original. Anyways, a bad joke, right? But, <laughs> and he had uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments on there, and he came down from Mount Sinai. And, and Mount Horeb is referred, it's the same thing in a sense. A lot of scholars believe it's the same place, but it's referring to the eastern side of, of Sinai. And for, for whatever reason, that side of Mount Sinai is referred to as Mount Horeb. So it's, if, if, if that's, that's what it's talking about. That's what it's referring. And, 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 and Malachi is reminding them of the law. This is the standard. This is the law that you are breaking. Remember? That you're turning away from. Because remember, the people, they're, 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 they're unequally yoked. They're, 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 they're um, leaving their spouses and, and they're marrying people from enemy nations that serve pagan gods and they're pulling them in. Okay? Um, and, and he's reminding, him of, reminding them of this. Okay? He closes with his exhortation. Okay? Um, in verse 5, um, where he speaks about um, <clears throat> of the prophet Elijah, okay, he talks about Moses, and, and Moses is normally the prophet affiliated with the law, and Elijah is known to represent all the prophets in the Old Testament. And he attempts, um, it, some people believe that it's in reference, this part is in reference to John the Baptist. And, and that can be uh, one way to look at these passages. As John the Baptist, when he came as a forerunner, and he came as one like Elijah, and he came to turn people's hearts back and baptizing people with repentance to turn to God. Um, but I want you to consider an alternate view, okay? And, and here's another view. And a majority of scholars do believe this is in reference to um, John the Baptist. But if this is speaking of the second coming, and we know in the second coming that in some ways where it, might be, where it will be similar, okay, because there will be a lot of difference, right? Because the first coming, Jesus came back as a lion, lamb to take away the sins of the world, okay? But in the second coming, the metaphor that is used to speak about Jesus is he's coming with a rod. He's coming as a lion, okay, to, to, to wipe out, to, to bring his people back and to wipe out sin, wipe out the enemy, wipe out all wickedness, Okay? And so if he's coming back in that way, and, and in this verse, it is in reference to that, it could potentially not be in reference to John the Baptist. It could potentially be reference to another who will come, which has not yet been fulfilled, that we're waiting to be fulfilled, of another one like Elijah, like John the Baptist, or perhaps Elijah himself. We don't know, because the way Elijah was taken up, he was taken up didn't technically die he was taken up as a you know in the chariot of fire as we know that story and um and so here are a couple reasons um that this potential view could be a possibility a few reasons one is john the baptist said himself that he is an elijah in john 1 25 he said and they asked him what then are you elijah he said i am not are you the prophet? He answered, no. Another reason. John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. But he himself says he isn't really Elijah. Luke 1.17, I'm going to read this to you. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. 
to make ready for the Lord, for the people to be prepared. And, and lastly, I mentioned this one already, is if, if this is in reference to the second coming, then there's a possibility that is not in reference to John the Baptist. And that's in reference, again, to the second coming and to the second Elijah that will prepare the way. And usually this reference, and not to go too much because we could talk a lot about this, in Revelations 11, it talks about the two witnesses, one that is like Elijah, a lot of scholars believe, because there's a lot of um, descriptions there of fire, and another one that is like perhaps Moses, because the things that will happen in the cities is very similar as in the book of Exodus when uh, the plagues happen, when uh, Moses is going at it with Pharaoh, with Ramesses. And a lot of those plagues are restated. And a lot of scholars tend to think that that's Moses. But because Moses did die a physical death, some scholars also believe it could potentially be Enoch. But, but that's, that's the idea here of the possibility of this actually being referred to the second forerunner and not the first, which is, we know is John the Baptist. There's a possibility for you to consider it is your decision in your own relationship with God and your own study of the words. But I want to just put that out there, and I lean and wonder if that could be the case, okay? And so I'm going to refer back to 3.1, and um, I know this was preached last week, but I want to point this out, okay? And there's a contrast of the two messengers in 3.1, and it says in 3.1, I'll read it to you. It says, behold, I will send my messenger. He says, my messenger, and I will prepare the way before me. Okay? And this could be, you know, the view that it's John the Baptist or the second Elijah. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord. And see, the, the words here, if we don't pay attention, he says, my messenger. So that could be in reference to the forerunner, but then also in that same verse, he says, another messenger, my messenger of the covenants. And if you're able to tell as by reading that, that's in reference to Jesus. Who's the messenger of the covenant? It's Jesus, right? So in closing, in uh, verse 6, he, he talks about turning the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. And John the Baptist, who was like Elijah, did this when he was baptizing and pe with people in repentance, bringing them back to God. And we know, regardless whether you interpret this to be John the Baptist or the second forerunner, the second person that comes like Elijah, we know that in that time, God's going to send one that will do the same and bringing others and turning them back to Christ. And the thing is, with with Malachi mentioning this in this chapter, he's again appealing to the Jews and telling them, turn back to your fathers, the patriarchs, right? And who are those people? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember those guys? Remember your lineage? Turn back. Turn away. Turn back. And I think it's interesting you know, uses the term, you know, sons and fathers or, you know, children and fathers. Because we know we live in a time that there is an epidemic in the hood and outside the hood of fatherlessness. And I'm going to share a little bit 
about my life in that regard. And um, my full name at the end of it is the junior. It's Flavio Antonio Quintanilla Jr. Okay? And the reason why I bring that up is I have a father that is no longer, he passed away this past April. But my father disowned me at the age of 15. And before I knew Christ, I was in a really bad life. I was in gangs. You know, um, he left when I was five. And so, you know, I grew up in uptown on the northeast side and uh, fell into that lifestyle. And eventually there was a church around my neighborhood that welcomed me in and preached the gospel. And I got saved. And I was excited about this, and I told my dad this. And even though him and my mom were separated, I was hoping he'd be happy and proud of me. My father had high hopes for me. He named me after him. He wanted me to be a lawyer. And, um, and he got very upset. And he went as far as disowning me. And so when I was 15 years old, I didn't see him until 10 years later while I was at Moody. And we talked again. And I told him I was willing to accept him. But... Um, I have a little brother, so this whole novella, but I'm trying to make it real quick, all right? I have a little brother where he kind of hooked up with my mom while he was with his wife, who he left my mom with, again, like it's a novella, right? When I was five, he left my mom for another woman, but then when I was in seventh grade, he went back and hooked up with my mom and cheated on this woman that he left my mom originally for, and then my mom got pregnant and could see my younger brother. And I had to be the father to him. And so I was willing to accept him, but my condition with him, for him, was you need to accept my brother, my little brother, as your son. And he didn't want to do that because that means he would have to admit to his new wife that he cheated on her with him. And I said, that's all I want from you. I'll take you as you are. And a little bit about my dad, he, he wasn't the best person. He cheated people. He had multiple wives. He had two wives before my mom and two wives after and he wasn't the best person. And he was very upset when I was 15 and disowned me. And then he went on and adopted another kid. Um, soon after that, I was 26 at the time. I'm in my late 30s now after this conversation. And he gave this other kid the same name. And unfortunately, I, I heard more and more about my father's life. He knew the gospel. I presented it to him. He's heard it, and he passed away this past April from a combination of COVID and cancer. And the only prayer I've ever had for him is that he will know Jesus. And I have no idea if he did. Why do I bring that up? Because many of us here have a legacy. Many of us here have grown up where we are in Christian homes where the word of God is taught. And it is your responsibility to pass down that legacy to your children and to your children's children. And if you don't do that, then it will be exactly as this, as happening in the book of Malachi. For some of us here, you're like me. You're first-generation saints. But it is still your responsibility because you know Christ to pass that on. I am going to teach my kids, the word of God, I am going to bring them up, and I'm going to let 
you as a church come around my kids and supplement what I do, not the other way around. And see, that's what Malachi was saying. That's when John the Baptist came. He was turning children to their fathers and fathers to their children. And this needs to be so. How do we prepare for Christ's coming? I have two application points. Two application points. I had a cross-reference, but I ended up skipping it. Two application points. We prepare by obeying and observing his word. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be able to grow in my walk with God if it wasn't for mentors, for the body of Christ, if it wasn't for the church. Church can't be done in your mom's basement, you know, or in your bedroom by yourself. I know there's podcasts, and I know we like to watch it now. I know there's a pandemic. But at some point, at some point, you need somebody to speak into your life. And we have to do it together. When we forsake this, we, we stray off and we veer off. And that's what happened in a lot of ways to these people. Okay, we have to remember to observe and obey. And this is what Malachi said by, um, in verse 4. We remember the law of Moses. And as new covenant saints, when we read the law of Moses, we need to understand that we're not on the old covenant. We're under the new, Right? So if I were to say, how do you get saved? Oh, obey all these commandments. And one time, when I was 16 years old, I, I did an evangelist. Uh, you know, I would go out and do an evangelist and do out an evangelize. I'm sorry. And, uh, and I shared the gospel with an older man, and, he, you know, he was a Catholic. And he's like, you know, we keep all these commandments. And without thinking, I just, you know, I just knew two verses at the time. I told him, and I'm like, didn't even think. It was just one of those moments the Holy Spirit spoke. And I said, do you really think you could keep all those commandments? And it's like a light bulb came on his head. It's like, no, I can't. So here, let me tell you about the new, God, new covenant. Jesus came to the world to take our penalty because we can't keep those commandments. He fulfilled the law. And my grace in faith in him and turning and repenting, but not only as Savior, as a sugar daddy God, but as Lord, as the boss of my life, and he calls the shots, that I will be saved, that I will know him, that I will be with him. Because if I don't want to have a relationship with him now in this life, and if I can't stand him now in this temporary life, what, what's to say that I'm going to be able to stand him for all eternity? What's the point? He says, remember the law of Moses. Remember the gospel. Remember the sins that we have turned from. Secondly, another application point. We prepare by remaining alert of his presence and power. We prepare by remaining alert of his presence and power. I know we live in this age where we want to figure it out and understand when he's coming and understanding that we're in the times and we have all these theories. But, you know, God's word doesn't tell us to do that. As a matter of fact, it says that there's a time and hour that he is coming that we will not know, that the angels will not know, the Son of God will not know. Only God the Father knows so we're not going to figure it out when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. But what we need to do is be prepared. We need to be ready, church, because it is coming. It's coming. We have to be in our word. Be right with God. Be right with each other. And we have to remain alert for his presence 
and his power. I'm going to share a quick story in the, the, um, um, in the um, Old Testament because it's talking about Elijah here. And one of the stories, popular stories, was when Elijah went up against the 450 prophets. Um, I think it's three, no, 450, yeah. And, uh, and he, he went up because, uh, um, again, it was the same thing. The Jews were compromising who they were and forsaking their God. And, and he, he stands up against these 450 false prophets, and he says, yo, let's, let's, um, let's put an offering out, and let's, see, let's pray and see if God, the God that answers by fire, will be the real God. And so, so this is what he does. I'm going to read to you in this passage. In 1 Kings, it should be up on the screen, 18, 33 to 38. And he put wood in the order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it, out the wood, and he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it out on the burnt offering on the wood. By the way, the Hebrew word here for jars can also be interpreted as barrels. So perhaps they were four barrels, not just jars. Okay? Verse 34, and he said, Do it a second time, and then do it a second time, and he said, Do it a third time, and then and do it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench with water. In the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed and burnt the offering and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and looked up the water. And that was the trench. And so consumed it all. God answered. And believe it or not, even after that, people still chose not to follow God. Because they weren't being prepared. They weren't being alert of his presence and power. Saints, what kind of miracles happened in your life? What did God save you from, or what did you witness that is preventing that. A paying attention to his presence and power. Because it is coming. The day is coming. And God forbid that we be found with our pants behind our back. Like my son. In his filth. <laughs> in our sins. God forbid. Because a day will come when God Put everything in its place. Pray with me. Father, we love you, Lord. We come here to hear your word. And God, we just ask, God, that it went forth today. And Lord, whatever it is in our life, whether it's a sin, whether it's um, letting go of our comfort and convenience, there is, this is a time with such uncertainty, but we as your people have the answer. Forgive us, Lord, when we look for it in politics, when we look for it in ourselves, in our significant others. Forgive us of the idolatry that we allow to take place. And Lord, we ask, God, that we'll be transparent with you and with one another because your church is what you have placed here on earth to represent you. Help us to turn back to turn to you. Help us, Lord, 
to step out and be stretched outside of our comfort zone and to serve you. Because we want to be found in a way when you do come, in a manner that is pleasing and holy in your sight. And we know this is the case because of what you've done on the cross. However, we ask God that these sins will be no more and that we'll grow closer and closer and closer. We love you, Lord. This has been a presentation of Good News Bible Church, where we equip people to love God, love others, and make disciples. To help support our mission, please visit our online giving portal through our website at www.goodnewsshy.org.